Thank you for listening to this recording from Chestnut Hill Baptist Church. Today, the Reverend Donald Sy preaches out of Hebrews chapter 11 with a message called In God We Trust. We hope you find this message valuable and enriching. Today, our message uh, will be from the book of Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 7. And those of you who are familiar with the book of Hebrews, you'll know that chapter 11 is what? Faith, the faith chapter, right. So we'll uh, read that and then uh, we'll have our message uh, called, In God We Trust. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's commands, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. In God we trust when we uh, see that in, uh, in this country, we think of money, right? Everybody thinks of money. We're not going to be talking about money. We're going to be talking about faith. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We have confidence and assurance. The average concordance gives us an abundance of references and verses on the subject of faith, such as we are justified by faith, or without faith, it is impossible to please God. There are so many more. The writer of this book, while not identifying himself, was obviously well known to the original recipients. We know that for some 1,200 years, A.D. 400 to A.D. 1600, this book was commonly called the Epistle of Paul to the Hebrews. However, since he doesn't identify himself, we can only say for certain that he was a man because he identified himself as a male using the masculine form of the Greek language in his writing. The theme 
of the book called Hebrews is the absolute, absolute superiority and sufficiency of Jesus Christ, who was the revealer and the mediator of God's grace. After showing that Christ is superior to the leaders of the Old Testament, as well as the angels and Moses, he is also superior to the Aaronic priesthood and to the work of the high priests. He then gives a final plea for faith and completes his theme in chapter 11 with examples of past heroes of the faith. Then he reminds us again what faith is, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. When we look at the heroes of faith that are mentioned in chapter 11, we understand why the writer says, faith is what the ancients were commended for. In our physical world, we have five senses, sight, smell, hearing, touch, and taste. These senses give evidence of our material world. Faith then is the evidence or sense from our senses uh, that tells us what we know of the spiritual world. So we have the five senses and then we have faith. Faith extends beyond what we learn from our senses, but faith is not without reason. Physical eyesight provides a conversion of evidence of visible things to our understanding, and faith is the organ or sense which enables people to see the invisible order or things. As scripture tells us, if you can see it, why do you need faith? Faith does not contradict reason, but it often goes beyond reason. For instance, we may objectively prove the Bible to be the most unique book ever published, but only faith can prove that the Bible is the word of God. This is a belief beyond reason, but it does not contradict reason. Our text exhorts us to be confident and it assures us that God is who he said he is, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him and who believe in him. Faith then is identified with those who believe. God tells us that without faith, it is not possible to please him. And if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved. So to have faith is to believe in God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Truth is another principle in maintaining faith. We expect that God is always truthful. We know this because God's word tells us that God cannot lie. So we can be assured that God and his word are telling, telling us the truth. Have the, having these two principles of faith and truth, we can now establish the basis of trust. If someone lies to you or deceives you, you cannot trust what they say or do. 
I sometimes uh, told our children that once they lie, they cannot be trusted or expected to be telling the truth again. A lack of truth erodes trust. But we know that this one phrase is true. In God, we trust. There is another overriding principle that is essential in our relationship with God and with other people. This is love. This love is expressed as seeking the highest good of the other person. We know that the highest good for every person is for them to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.15 tells us that speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up unto him who is the head, that is Christ. Remember, in condemning a person, we may be truthful, but it is not loving. We must build one another up, not tear them down. We now see that faith involves belief, trust, and truth, all expressed in love with the purpose of building up every person into the image of Jesus Christ. These elements of our relationship with each other also apply to our relationship with, with God. Faith and trust in God are at the foundation of any relationship with him. For we know that without faith, it is impossible to please him. That is why if you doubt the truth of God or God's word, including his promises for the future, you do not trust him. Therefore, any doubt you have will distance yourself from him. We must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith means being confident of what we hope for and convinced of what we do not see. This faith is illustrated in the lives of many of the Bible heroes. Look at the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. They refused to obey the king Nebuchadnezzar and would not bow down to his idol. He then threatened to throw them into the blazing furnace. In Daniel 3, 16 through 18, it tells us, they said to him, O Nebuchadnezzar, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. We know that God saved them, but there were many other heroes that did not have such success. But God's answer was that he will reward them abundantly through eternity in heaven. What kind of faith are the heroes describing? This faith has been called an enduring faith, where faith is a means of realizing spiritual reality. For by faith the men of old gained approval. Their approval came from God. 
The question is, how can we who are sinners become right before the most holy God? Beginning with Adam and Eve, God appointed physical and spiritual death as a penalty for our sins. Hebrews 9.27 tells us, it is appointed for all to die once, and after that, the judgment. In Proverbs 14, verse 12, it states, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. This applies equally to spiritual as well as physical life and death. All the other major religions seem to think that their religion is right, but their way is a way of self-righteousness and good works. They seem to think that if they are sincere and do their best, God will overlook their faults. But their way is the way of death. The Bible calls this the way of Cain. It is mentioned again in Jude 11, saying, woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain. It tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Salvation by human goodness or works is impossible, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, not by works, it is a gift of God. Now the first illustration is the contrast between Cain and Abel. It was a contrast between how they worship God. <clears throat> Excuse me. We know that Abel was the first man in human history to die, but we don't know much more about him. There is no recorded history of any words that Abel has spoken, although it does say that though he is dead, he still speaks to us today. Why did the writer of Hebrews begin with the faith of Abel? probably because he was emphasizing worship and what he wanted them to understand about the worship that was acceptable to him. When we think of the big question, which is how can we have a right relationship with the Holy God? The answer is always by being obedient in response to his commands. The writer tells us that by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. Genesis tells us that the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. God told Cain if he did well, his countenance would be lifted up, meaning that Cain knew what, offer what offering was acceptable to God. Faith is always an obedient response to God's revelation. In Romans 10, verse 1, we learn that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. It depends on our obedience to the revealed word of God. Abel, by faith, had obeyed God's command. Cain had refused to submit to it. Abel's faith had pleased God. Cain's disobedience had displeased God. 
When God told Cain to do well, he meant bring the kind of sacrifice you know that I require. Those whom God had converted from their sins and have seen his holiness and justice and have recognized their need for a proper sacrifice to pay for their sins now recognize that Jesus is the sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God that bore our sin. First, he talks about worship. Now the writer talks about walking the walk of faith. He talks about Enoch, who walked with God. Today, most people talk about pleasing all the people all the time. Even many pastors try to make everyone happy. They wind up straddling the fence. My wife was talking to a pastor one morning and he was telling her that no matter what position he took, not everyone agreed. He asked her what she thought he should do about it. And she told him that he should tell the people what God said in his word. We should never attempt to please everyone, not even some of the time. We should always only please God who examines our hearts. When we please God, it sometimes means we are displeasing people who oppose God. If we, believe, if we please everyone but not God, he is ultimately displeased with us, and he warns us, woe to you. Now we look at the life of Enoch, who was a man who pleased God. While we know little about Enoch or his recorded words, his story is plainly revealed. Through faith in God's revelation, we have become assured that we are righteous so that our lives as well as Enoch's life counts for eternity. Enoch lived at a time when evil was prominent. It was just before the great flood. Jude wrote, about, Jude wrote about this time. Jude 14 and 15 says, See, the Lord is coming with thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly acts. They have done this in an ungodly way. This could not have been a popular message. And yet Enoch pleased God so much that he was taken straight to heaven and he did not see death. The lesson from Enoch is a life of faith pleases God. Our aim in life should be to please God. If you love someone, you try to please them. God's foremost command in scripture is for us to love first, Love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And then love others as ourselves. You cannot obey this command without pleasing God. We try to fool other people by being nice on the surface, but we really don't feel like being nice at all. But you can't do this with God. He knows how you feel. He knows your every thought. So if you want to please God, 
Keep your thoughts pure. So take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Next, we should draw near to God in worship and in prayer. We should seek God for who he is and not for the rewards that he can give us. We should know that the living God is our reward. He tells Abram, fear not, I am a shield for you, your very great reward. He tells him, I am your reward. He then tells us that it is essential that we please God and it is impossible to please God without faith. You must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Remember, the rewards of faith are in eternity, not necessarily in this life. Faith looks to God for the reward of eternal life in heaven. So Enoch's life illustrates the way we should live, or as we say, our walk with God. Enoch's walk was well-pleasing to God. He was in step with God in his daily process of growing more and more like Jesus. We should daily read his word and learn his ways. With Abel, we talked about worship and then Enoch, we talked about, we walked in faith, and now we look at Noah. He was a man whose work was to build an ark by faith. He was also to warn the people of impending destruction. Rain, lots of rain. We know what that is. Talking about the weather, during our recent storms, we've experienced several categories, category three, four, five, etc. We have learned that when we receive the warning, we must immediately begin to prepare to protect our property and ultimately our lives. Most times we, re yes, most times we receive a few days warning, other times not too many days. But in the case of Noah, they had more than enough time to heed his warnings. He didn't know how much time God was giving them, but as soon as he heard God's warning about the coming judgment, he went immediately to start the work of building the ark. It took him over a century to complete, but he kept at it. While he was in the process of building the ark, it all seemed to be foolishness to the people. But when the sky began to pour rain and the fountains of the deep opened up, no one was still laughing and making fun of Noah. By then, it was too late. Today, God's word tells us that Jesus will return. The coming of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah. All will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. They were doing this until the day that Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and took them away. God tells us, so will it be with the coming of the Son of Man. The people of Noah's time went on with their normal activities of life. 
They didn't heed the warning of judgment until it was too late. The book of Revelation warns us that the world will continue to go about their normal activities, pursuing pleasures and scoffing at the idea of coming judgment. But in one hour, judgment will fall. It will be thorough and completely devastating. Noah had faith. And because he believed God's warning about things that were not yet seen, he began to work. While judgment was delayed, it was certain. God's word cannot lie. Paul told the Athenians that God has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. This will come through a man whom he has appointed having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. The last book of the Bible is largely devoted to the theme of this future wrath to come. Noah condemned the world in the sense that his righteous life of faith exposed the unrighteous life of unbelief. Noah walked as a child of light not participating in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but exposing them. When a person trusts in Christ as his sin bearer, God credit, credits the righteousness of Jesus Christ to his account. God not only declares us not guilty, but he declares us positively righteous because we receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The basis of Noah's faith and for ours is the word of God. We must count it as true. Noah did not just fear the impending judgment. He also feared the God who could enact the penalty of such judgment, knowing that he is capable of bringing it about. Just as the ark was the only means of salvation from judgment, for Noah and his family. So the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way that God provides for salvation from the coming judgment of this present world. Everyone on board the ark was saved. Everyone not on the ark was lost. Everyone who has trusted Christ's shed blood is saved. Everyone who has trusted in anything else is lost. You can't be good enough to merit salvation. The question is, by faith, have you obediently responded to God's warning by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior? There's a hymn, Faith is a Victory, goes, one verse goes, His banner over us is love, our sword the word of God, we tread the road the saints above with shouts of triumph trot. By faith they, like a whirlwind's breath, swept on over every field. The faith by which they conquered death is still our shining shield. Faith is the victory, oh, glorious victory, that overcomes the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that. Uh, you have given us uh, these words of encouragement in your 
in your word by demonstrating through others that we too, through faith, can please you, worshiping you in truth, serving you in our walk, and of course, doing the work that you have asked us to do. Help us, Lord, to go forth and to tell others the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. For more information about Chestnut Hill Baptist Church, or to subscribe to these audio messages via our podcast, visit our website at chestnuthillbaptist.org. You can also write to us at Chestnut Hill Baptist Church, 2 Bethlehem Pike, Philadelphia, PA, 19118.